You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen Backstage. My guest today, David Fingers Haynes, is a fantastic drummer with an incredible resume. He has played with Shaka Khan, Prince, Stevie Wonder, Joe Zawinul, Mary J. Blige, Lee Rittenauer, Frank Ocean, Arrested Development, and so many more. He is also known for his incredible finger drumming. He is basically the pioneer of finger drumming, hence his name, David Fingers Haynes. So we're going to talk about all of these things today, his technique and his equipment that he uses, and he's going to share some fun stories with us because he is full of some amazing stories from his time in the industry. So come along with me as I catch up with David Fingers Haynes. David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so very much. Glad to be here. here. Absolutely. It's great to see you. Yeah, Yeah, it's been a really, really long time. I was trying to remember um, if it was the late 90s or or early 2000s, something like that, around about that time. Uh, Yeah, I think think early 2000s, like right when I first started working for Zildjian. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, great. yeah. But great. how have you been? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's uh, for everybody, you know what, it's been, um, it's been a time of, of, uh, expand expansion, you know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> absolutely. More, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing more recording than anything nowadays. Um, uh, most people, you know, it's kind of funny. A lot of people know the drumming side, but then there's also a side to know the electronic side of the finger drumming aspect of what I do. So I'm teaching in both areas because uh, I have a pra- I practice room studio set up where I keep the drums set up and, and uh, doing stuff with companies like Akai and uh, also for tune track mm-hmm. that makes easy drummer. So, so doing that, pretty much keeps me busy because there really isn't uh that much work right now right absolutely yeah just had to had to to learn to find other avenues of of work yeah right and and you are in you live Mm -hmm. in germany so you have been i live in berlin in berlin um and Mm -hmm. so it has been a different experience for you with with you know different regulations and all of that i'm sure than than in the US, but um, right. but you right. have been pretty much in, in lockdown, right? So this has been um, a time for you to do things from home, um, which you're kind of set up for with the electronic side of things, for sure. Well, the, the, I'm bouncing between, uh, right now I'm presently in Warsaw, Poland. You know, this is, this is at my, my fiance's place. Mm-hmm. So I go between the two. Um, and actually things are a lot more open here. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's so, good. uh, yeah, I bounce between electronic and, and, uh, acoustic stuff. So, um, I, it's, it's kind of difficult though, being away from family. I have to mention that. Mention right. That, that that's, uh, that's a challenge. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of people have, yeah. um, like this period in time has, made people a lot of people rethink like 
their proximity to family members. So I, I, don't, right. I don't think you're alone in that for sure. Right, right, right. Prior, prioritizing. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Right, but right. I tell you what, what I do now is I ride the bike almost every day to the studio. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so let me see, what's a kilometer? We're talking about, a, I don't know if the, a kilometer is longer than a mile, but I ride 10 kilometers a day, basically. Yeah, so I think it what is like five kilometers is like three miles. So, mm, okay, okay, okay. Well, it's it's still a nice nice ride. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. And I, th I think, um, you know, that's another thing that people have prioritized too in this time is exercise and health and, you know, getting, Absolutely. <laughs> getting some, uh, yeah. you know, musicians as, as, yeah. as we kind of um, live in the dark sometimes and mm -hmm. inside and all of that. But I think, um, I don't know if you've seen like Aaron Spears on the Peloton and his, his bike riding and all of that. I feel like, um, oh, that's you know, great. That's running great. and Bike riding has Great been a thing. Awesome. Right? I'm so awesome. glad to hear I'm really, that. Really happy for, yeah, really happy for him. Yeah. I met Aaron years ago. Yeah. No, that that's really important. Um, you know, in these kind of times, you can just say, oh, let me just put on a movie and eat some some chips or something like that. Yes. You can't, <laughs> can't do that. Right? I know. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of that during, <laughs> during quarantine. Yeah. Um, especially the older you get, you know. Um, right, right. I'm 50 now, fifty. So amazing. That's yeah, amazing. I feel. I feel like um, mm -hmm. you know, forty, fifty is just a great time in life when you've kind of like figured out who you are and are yeah. like onto mm -hmm. other things, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad that you're getting mm -hmm. out there and and able to you know travel a bit and spend yeah. some time in Poland with your fiance. And that's yes. so, so good. And I, I want to jump into mm. the whole mm. thing with finger drumming, because, you okay. know, your your name, your, your, you can't say David Haynes without saying David Fingers Haynes. And it just like, it's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's just amazing to me um, mm. in in getting to know you and your style of playing and, and your versatility um it was always incredible to me because mm. there weren't really a lot of a lot of drummers doing what you were doing back then and there still aren't really but mm. um tell us a little bit about what you do especially on the pad um okay. yeah <laughs> okay well like so many other guests that you've had they're all going to say i come from a musical family yeah, <laughs> that's important, right? Fostering right. that in our kids, yeah, that's important. Yeah, yeah I think, I, but I, I came from a family of teachers, musicians, teachers that were musicians and of preachers. So mm -hmm. uh, like my dad was a preacher, but he sung operatic, like opera. Wow. My grandmother played organ in church, okay? My mom sang, but she was a teacher. She had a master's in education, special education. Oh, mm -hmm. and my dad, while he was a preacher, he also had his PhD in psychology. Okay. All right. And actually, um, he went to uh, school in Boston, he, he, uh, BU, 
Very nice. With, with Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. In the late wow. 50s. They wow. were friends. Yeah, I got a, I've got a big picture of that. And so before I was even thought of, you know, the King family and my family basically moved to the Atlanta area. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, I have two brothers. One brother was a drummer named Daryl, and he was uh, the one time I went to sneak on his drum set when I was 11, he was like, don't you ever touch my drums again. <laughs> and the thing is, you mentioned a Ludwig, right? He had a blue sparkle Ludwig. I think there was like a 70, 1970 or 71 um, with, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what snare. It was an aluminum snare, I think, though, but just really classic bebop type kit, 18 by 14, mm-hmm. uh, 12, 14. And when the 70s came, you know, he was telling me that don't touch my kit, but when the 70s came, you know, everybody took the bottom heads off. And right. so when he would load the kit up, he put it in the car and, it, you know, put it on the ground even, you know, on the bearing edges, <laughs> you know, so that, that, that kid just got trashed, you know? Um, so I was like, okay, all right, so much for drums. Um, I, had, um, I had a tough time uh, with, with self-esteem. Uh, my parents divorced. And mm-hmm. when I was 16, I had a, had a bout with depression. And to the point that I had to go to a hospital I was mm-hmm. at a hospital called Emerson North Hospital. And while I was there, that, that was in Ohio. That was when at a point in 1984, my, I moved with my mom to Cincinnati. And um, I was so depressed that I wouldn't lift my head up. I wouldn't speak to anybody. And even though at that time I was into DJing. And, okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, so um, while I was at the hospital, they tried everything. Uh, you know, you take different tests, different medications and all kinds of stuff. And so mm-hmm. one guy had the idea to try music therapy with me. Wow. 30, 30 minutes of music. And the guy was a big jazz fan, a big fan of Jaco Pastorius's. Mm-hmm. And so um, I listened to that and I, so I heard lots of Peter Erskine, you know, because of the word of mouth album and, um, Right. Uh, weather report and, uh, you know, and little did I know that one day I would actually get to play with Joe Zawadu in 97. That's amazing. <laughs> so um, that's what happened. And when I was so that summer of 1986, when I was let out, I was there for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother gave me a Yamaha. Yamaha. Uh, it was a Yamaha drum machine, but I don't remember. Uh, RX-11. Yeah. Okay. RX-11. And and I was like, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want this thing. So I took it to a store and there was a, a another customer there that said, wow, you want to trade that in? And I was like, well, actually, I wanted to get it on some drum, on some cymbals or something. 
And uh, the guy said, well, hey, listen, I got another drum machine. Uh, we can trade, you know, for like a week. If you like it, you know, let me know. Uh, you can, you know. And so he had an HR16B from Alesis, mm-hmm. which was the first 16-bit drum machine. Okay. So I, we traded. Then I called the guy back and I couldn't reach him. It was like the phone was disconnected. <laughs> so there, there I was with, with that machine. And uh, so I played and st- I started programming it, but I got frustrated with programming. I was like, man, I don't want to press the metronome, click, 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 and put each part in mm-hmm. at different times. So I started to learn how to play the different styles of different drummers that I was listening to, different styles of music. That's that's how it developed, you know? Because um, at the same time, I, what I didn't mention was when I was a kid, my brothers had a band together. And uh, so I used to hear them practice in the basement. Right. And that's why I was saying, don't touch my drum set. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I heard everything. And, and uh, my brother, Daryl, he had... Uh, he worked at a record a record shop. What mm-hmm. is that? <laughs> a record, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So they used to give him tickets. So like, he took me to see Earth Wind and Fire when wow. Les Groove came out, and uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, so I was able to hear everything. He got they gave him promotional copies of music like like and records. He's got like uh, over a thousand records. So that's, that's why incredible. I was able to hear some of everybody. You know, and um, and when from grade school, I, I started learning marching, you know, and marching uh, drums, concert band, and mm-hmm. we had to play traditional style. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't do that stuff anymore. <laughs> traditional. <laughs> what is this? You know. <laughs> but right, uh, but that that was that was the style that you learned back then, and I think that's yeah. incredible that you actually yeah. started playing on the electronic pad. I started on the pad before I got my first years before I got my first drum set, but I started with sticks, learning rudiments in school mm-hmm. and marching band. Got it. So that helped me. So what I did was I took the I took the met the uh, rudiments and then just put them around the pad. You know, that's how I, uh, that's what happened basically. That's so great. I just, I was yeah. wondering about that. If that was something, you know, I, I feel like, um, a, a lot of people start, a lot of drummers start with acoustic drums mm-hmm. and get into electronics almost as a necessity, right? Like yeah. to, to play the things they need to play or to play the gigs that they need to play. But I just think it's so right. interesting that you kind of started on the pad, although you were learning rudiments, but started recreating all of that music that you were hearing at the time in the, yes. you know, on those records. Right. Right. And so many, just coming, coming back to me. Um, so I went to school, I went to a school uh, also in Ohio called Central State University. Uh, and Moses, Dr. Moses, he was, that was his name, uh, was somewhere from the islands. I don't remember exactly where Barbados is somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he played still pans very well. And so when I auditioned, cause I wanted to be a music major and he was like, he had me play a variety of styles on kit. And he said, uh, sorry, you're not, uh, you're not ready to, to be a major here at this university. And so I was like, okay. 
That was in 1989. All right. Wow. So then I started marching in the band. And then I found my way to Europe, uh, where my oldest brother was, um, and uh, who played sax, flute, piano, and he was a singer. And he played at a lot of different hotels and private parties and bars and cafes. Um, and he said, you know what? Bring a drum machine and we'll do a duo. <laughs> So, Very cool. So that is what happened. I started playing, and people were like, "What are you doing? What? How do? You, how in the world are you doing that? You know?" And so, yeah. so that's so that's that's what happened. Um, and um, I started. I attended a music school called the Future Music School, mm -hmm. also in '92 in a Schaffenberg. Okay, that's uh, in a part of Bavaria. Uh, Bavaria. And uh, it was a one-year intensive course. And the two guys who started that, that um, school graduated. Uh, they attended M MIT, MI, sorry, MI, Musicians Institute of California. Yep. Yeah. And so they took basically the same, a similar curriculum and started uh, the school. Oh, and, that's great. Uh, so when I took my final exam, no, sorry, the day before I took my final exam, um, I had a private job uh, with, with my oldest brother, and I had a giant rack, 19-inch rack full of gear, and it fell off the, the lift of the stage, which was about, I don't know, six feet up off the ground, which fell on my big left toe. Oh, no. And cracked the toenail in half. That's so not good. That, that, was the, that was the evening before I had to take my final exam. Oh, no. School. So I took what I had to do. I aced the reading portion. But the other part uh, was too painful for me to play on the, you know, on the high of my left foot. Because I, um, I play open style. Mm -hmm. Like Lenny White, Dennis Chambers. No, sorry, not Dennis Chambers. Lenny White, Billy Cobham. You know, mm -hmm. left hand lead on the on the right, primarily. Mm -hmm. Right hand setup though. Right. And so um I had to uh I managed to convince them to allow me to take the test again a week later to allow oh, for good. some healing. Uh but I lost my airline ticket. <laughs> oh no, oh my gosh. To go back to America and ended up having to sell some of my kit, my drum kit, in order to get a new ticket. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So um, I just got a lot of information. A lot of things uh, are coming and maybe you can uh, piece it back together. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, that, it sounds like, um, you know, you, you overcame quite a bit for, <laughs> in your younger years, like all these things yeah. that had happened, but also like how great that you were over in Europe as yeah. a teen, right? You were, you were college age mm -hmm. yeah. um, and getting a more like worldly view of things and, yeah, yeah. and studying in different places. I love that. Um, <laughs> and it's really interesting because when you play, whether it's on the pad or it's on acoustic drums, you can, 
you know, your style comes through. And I, I think it's mm. really interesting, especially when you're playing on the pad, your feel is so fluid. Mm. Like if you are, if your eyes are closed and you don't know that you're playing on a pad, you would never know you're playing on a pad. It sounds like oh, wow. full acoustic hit. It's amazing. Ah, wow. Thank you. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I want to tell you how I got into the industry. Yes, and please. That was in, uh, that came about because there was an annual field trip that at, at my school, we used to go to something called the drummers, the drummers meeting in Koblenz. That's another part mm -hmm. of Bavaria in Germany. And uh, the year that we went, um, the guy who was the host for that thing every year, um, I got to meet him uh, that year that I went, 92 to 93, mm -hmm. uh, sometime during then. And um, they they saw some some videos of what I was doing. And uh, when I got back to the States in 94, 93, 94, there was a, uh, oh, I got a call to to go play the event to play the event and it was the year that dennis chambers was there dennis oh, chambers wow. yeah will calhoun and uh quite a few others were there and so we connected there and um then when i came when i got back to the states i was living in fairfax virginia then and uh which was down the road basically from him he's in randallstown mm -hmm. so we we connected and uh he invited me to his place and uh we looked at old video footage of tony williams i love it <laughs> <laughs> and he had like just i thought i was gonna see a drum set uh set up not one he said man last thing i want to do when i get home is play <laughs> Yes, he still says that. Yes, he does. Yeah, 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 because yeah, yeah, yeah. and I saw a whole bunch of snare drums, you know, mm -hmm. that he had and everything. And uh, so Dennis has been a big brother. And so I got my first uh, tour because of Dennis. Dennis got a call in 95. I was back in Germany in uh, 95, visiting my brother. Um, uh, Dennis was playing with uh john oh gosh john uh amazing jazz guitarist i'm trying to remember his, right now, his name right now um um I, do, I don't remember but okay. um so on the break we uh he got a call he went to return the call from his pager <laughs> oh my goodness yes yeah, pager yeah, yeah so then um uh, the call was from Gary, uh, Gary Thomas. Okay. He was a jazz saxophonist. And he asked him if it was a tour, if we could play to a tour together. He said, no, I'll be busy. Uh, but he recommended me. So that was how, how that was my entrance into touring. That was my first tour. Wow. Yep. That's incredible. And, yeah. Yeah, that was that was great. And uh, Dante Winslow, by the way, was was rapping and playing trumpet. If you don't know who Dante is, he's been playing uh, uh, playing with a lot of the top 
pop artist out of LA for like a really long time. Oh, uh, fantastic. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to put a link, so, a link in the mm, description for him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was 95. Then uh, uh, that year, I got my first uh, artist endorsement. Uh, when I went to the music mess, the music mess, as you know, it's like the NAMM show mm-hmm. in uh, Anaheim, California. Yes, so, the music mess is in uh, Frank Frankfurt, Germany. Frankfurt, 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 Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's when uh, I met Tina Clark. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's when we met, and Tina, you know, she's just been an amazing, amazing person. Always friendly. Was able to talk to her about everything. She was she was wonderful. And so that was how I got introduced to Zildjian, became an artist in 95 and still with him. So happy very, very nice. Yeah. We love Tina. Tina is amazing. And she I don't know if you know, but she's now working for um, British Drum Company. So she's she's still in the industry Mm -hmm. doing great. Um, And um, British Drum Company was uh, uh, premier drums back in the day and mm, yeah <laughs> my first drum set was an xpk premier drum set very nice and i used to set that up in uh, at a gym in a back room where there was a washer and dryer <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah and that was on a, um, a army base or caserne they call them casernes over in germany that was my job. I was working at a, a gymnasium called Cash Gym. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when everybody left, I would just shut shut the place down and set up the drums and play. <laughs> that is too funny. I love that. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's so I can't remember who it was I was talking to about this, mm-hmm. but um, how fantastic the sound of a washer and dryer are to to play on, to bang on, to tap on. Like, so <laughs> I love yeah. that you set up your drums near the washer and dryer. Yeah, Perfect. yeah, exactly. Well, um, and then uh, let me see. Uh, you mentioned B. What's the name of this company? B. Uh, British Drum Company. British Drum Company. Okay, my first drum endorsement was with Premier. And Very that horrible. was and that was through a recommendation uh, from Virgil Donati. Oh, okay. Yeah, when he was with Premier back in the day. Yes. And yeah, so yeah, so, so it's funny how you how all these things are mixing, and that's why I tell I tell younger guys it's always important to keep to have uh, good to keep good relationships with people. Absolutely. You know, yes. it's like a round table effect. <laughs> yes. People. Yes. I yeah, say the same absolutely. thing all the time. I repeat mm-hmm. my, myself about that, but it really is. This industry is all about the relationships. Yeah, um, and if you know you, I mean, mm-hmm. the people that you just mentioned that you were surround that you surrounded yourself by um, or with and continued yeah. um, to, to keep in touch with and keep up those relationships. That's what sustains you. No matter what you're yes. doing or who you play, you're playing with yeah, or right, what stage right. of life you're in, you know, mm-hmm. it's that it's that those relationships that are always there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you're at these events, that's where people are able to see you, you know, and you're able to see a lot of people in bulk and, and they can 
uh, and then a lot of things can can happen for you. Mm -hmm. you know? the, the music message, for instance, was a, a lot of things happened from that, uh, from being there. Yes. In 96, the year after that, I was there playing for techniques. You know, the DJ. Come, I told you I, yes. I was into DJing. Yeah. Right. A while back. And uh, well, techniques that year started making keyboards. And I played with a guy named Christoph Spindel. And on sax was Derrick James, who played with Shaka Khan's band. Mm -hmm. But at that time, she had three bands. She had a band in, in uh, Germany, L.A., one in, uh, in New York. And so uh, she used to live in Heidelberg for a little bit. I didn't know that. That's really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And so um, I was hired to play there, play at the Mesa for a week for techniques. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and on my downtime, I just milled around and looked at, at other booths. And I, I went to Lexicon, and that's where I saw two ladies playing, one named Rhonda Smith and one named Kat Dyson. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so they were just uh, playing with some playback music and uh, demonstrating effects from Lexicon. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we got to talk and hang out also and uh, went to after parties to play for like JBL and so on. And so that when the weekend came, um, Sheila E. and then Duke Chancellor were playing. That's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, they were playing together. And so I got to speak to Sheila at the end of her performance. I said, um, for about 20 minutes, I said, uh, so what are your plans, your future plans? What are you working on? She said uh, she wanted to have an all-woman band. So mm -hmm. I told her, I turned, told her about Rhonda Smith and Kat Dyson. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. And around the same time, so she went and checked them out. Mm -hmm. Around the same time. Uh, Prince wanted to do the same thing. He wanted to have an all-woman band. He told, uh, and he called Sheila and asked if she would uh, play with him again. She said, no, I want to work on my own project. But she told him about Kat, uh, Rhonda Smith and Kat Dyson. There you go. That's amazing. So, yeah. So they went to the audition. They told him about me. So that that's how I got to work with with Prince. You it's, know, so, it's so incredible, David. Times. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships. The relationships, <laughs> exactly. And oh, that's a, I love that story. That's like the perfect yeah. example. And yeah. there's something mm -hmm. about this industry that fosters mm -hmm. that community kind of thing. And, you know, it is yeah. outside of the drumming world too, but inside of our little microcosm, inside of this drum mm -hmm. industry, it's like, it is... Um, a place where mm. like you, you become friends with Dennis Chambers and then he hooks you up with a gig and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like it's this really cooperative environment that we're also so lucky yeah. to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I tell people, uh, a lot of uh, youngsters, I tell them, you know what, everybody can play. Mm. You know, everybody has, has a level of skill. You know, and, and nowadays um, people do a lot of learning from what they see on YouTube, hear, hearing, what, you know, chops or what people are playing or mm -hmm. playing in church. Um, mm -hmm. But the main thing that people need to understand is not, not as much about what you know, or, but it's about when 
you display what you know. So it's about having the discipline uh, to be able to play your part first. Your first function is to be the foundation for the band. If you're doing your own thing, <laughs> then okay, play whatever, you know, but um, at least come with that first. That's great and, advice. Uh, especially if you have a lead, lead singer, whatever the lead instrument is, it could be a saxophonist, flute player, whatever, flautist, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, it's, and and I tell you what, when you hold back and wait, you know, and just perform that function, then when this when the solo time comes, then there's people will really hear the difference. It won't be just like, oh, well, he already or she was already playing all over the place during the the, the songs anyway or during the show. Okay, now it's a solo. Okay, yeah, you already did that. <laughs> right, right, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah. That's that is really really great advice, and you know, mm -hmm. so I I think that's yeah that's really valuable insight and the part mixing it with that the personality thing and the relationships thing and um, being there for other people making those connections and they make them for you I think it all kind of goes together um, yeah. and people such as yourself who have had these amazing careers over this you know length of time it's just um, those two things are inherent in that. Yeah, but that's, it's really about that and, and, uh, returning emails. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> sending, sending cards, you know, and, and, uh, um, all of those things, just communication. Yeah. The communication part. That's, that's a it. very, very good point. I think it's, mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things where now where things are so quick, like text messaging and yeah. Instagram messaging and things are so quick, you can lose track of it quickly, yeah. right? Um, Definitely. Yeah. It, it, I feel like it was much simpler when it was just email back in the day. And like, yeah. you know, people would communicate with you. And I say back in the day, but it really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but, yeah right. Right? Um, yeah, it was exactly. just email. <laughs> Everything came through email. You had like one email yeah. address, probably AOL mm -hmm. or Yahoo or something. Yeah, <laughs> and, right, right, right. And it right. was so, and it was so simple yeah. to keep track of. And I find myself definitely, uh, you know, multitasking back and forth between mm -hmm. Instagram and Facebook and the phone and email and multiple emails. So yeah, right. It's harder now, but it is so important. The communication aspect is so important and it takes effort and it yeah. takes time, you know, to make sure you stay on top of it. But that's yeah. a great point as well. Don't wait. Don't wait for people to give you work. Mm. Create work. You know, especially since we have these platforms and the ability to connect, um, just uh, do it. You know, connect with with folks and and send, uh, uh, you know, send send your information around. Uh, comment. You can leave comments on people's pages, even if they're like, "Okay, I don't know who that that cat is. Mm -hmm. I have no idea," because there are a lot of folks that uh, may have like say over 100,000 or plus followers, of course, they're not going to check the DMs on the regular. Sure, sure. <laughs> you, know, you know, but you can, uh, another way to establish a uh, connection, a you know, positive connection is just by commenting mm -hmm. on their work. You know? mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
That's true because that is, it is, it is easy to notice that kind of thing when someone's being supportive of your art, right. Of your creativity, of your music. Um, and you see, and, and, you know, you will, they will see that. Um, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a really great point. And I agree with you. I mean, just the outreach, the effort to make the connections. Um, and sometimes it's not easy to put yourself out there like that. Um, yeah. it's easier to wait for it to come to you, but you're going to miss opportunities if you do that, because the opportunities are definitely out there. Right. So, Absolutely. um, I find mm-hmm. myself in a lot of the work that I do making cold outreach, cold calls, cold emails, you know, to yeah. someone I might not know. Um, and yeah. at this point that doesn't phase me, but I feel like when I was coming up, I would have been really nervous to do that. Um, so I say the same thing all the time, you know, you just never know, you have to take the chance, make the connection, reach out, something will come through for sure. And you know what, another thing too, like your, your Rolodex, you know, may have, may, you may have a lot of phone numbers, a lot of contacts. So one thing I try to do is say, okay, I'm going to pick a couple people this week that I haven't spoken to in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to check on them. Hey, what's what's up? How you been? What's going on? Right. You know? Yeah. So that, that's something also that, that's good. Um, you know, I, with talking about Prince, I want to talk about there. Yes, I have please. several different stories about him. I would um, love to hear. You know, there's... Uh, Dave Chappelle has... <laughs> Yes. I don't know how many uh, uh, skits about him playing basketball. Well, that's true, first of all. Okay. Yes. It was myself, Kirk Smith, who's probably still his best best friend, um, or was his best friend, I should say. Mm -hmm. It was three of us Prince, Kirk Smith, myself, and we played 21. If you know what a game of 21 is in basketball. And we were at Chan Hassan. Okay. Chan Hassan is where Paisley Park is. Okay. Okay. And specifically, the street is called Audubon Road. Okay. That's where I did is. not know that. Yeah. Audubon. Okay. Not Audubon, like mm-hmm. in German. So um, there's was, there was a warehouse that he has. Uh, where he did the at a stage where he did you must be the most beautiful girl in the world mm-hmm. and that's the first stage where I got to play on and then when I got there with Rhonda Smith and Cat Dyson and uh, uh, oh man I need to back up hold up there's uh you remember of course you know the movie The Matrix I don't remember yes. which one exactly but when you uh, there was one scene where Neo was uh, loading up, was talking about how you could get weapons and blah, blah, what do you need? And so you just had like this white wall and white room and then everything was like a long rows of everything you need, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. drums. So it was like that in, inside at Paisley in uh, a room that he had, which it's not the vault, like the this mysterious the vault where he has Lots of music. I've never right. been in been in that room, but I've been in his equipment room. <laughs> I bet that was very impressive. And it's like, like I said, it's just like rows of drums, 
rows of of guitar amp, bass amps, rows of of brass instruments, rows of you know, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty crazy like that. And so yeah. as I was going looking at the drum sets, I saw one that Michael Bland, who formerly played at the new new power generation, mm -hmm. I saw uh I saw the kit that was in one of their videos, I remember from one video. Uh, and then I saw a sky blue recording custom Yamaha. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Birch, Birch recording custom. And I was like, oh man, I want that one. I want to play that one. So, and it was the one from the uh, Love Sexy tour mm -hmm. that Sheila played. Right, right. So we set that, got that one and set it up and and we just started playing myself, Rhonda, and Cat started playing Cat Dyson. Mm -hmm. And not to confuse with the cat from uh, even a time before that was a, a singer and dancer. Yes. For Prince. And so we started playing. And then the next thing I know, I heard this intercom. Because like I said, it's a warehouse. Yes. And we're just like on this little stage and we're playing boom, whatever. And so, hey. Hold on for a second. <laughs> and I, it was so loud that I heard that and it was it was Prince. And so we stopped and he walked from the back of the room all the way to the front to the stage. And it was like time was this slow motion. And my heart was going, go, go, go. It's him. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, and I was so nervous. And uh, yeah, he came up on stage, said, hey, you know, nice to meet you. I've heard a lot about you, shook my hand. He was absolutely down to earth. And from that day, that day on, that's how it was with us. He was just like that, you know? Um, I love that. On the other side, because I talked about the basketball. Right? Yes. On the other side, the back wall, of that stage where the, you must be the most beautiful girl in the world is, is uh, a place where he would have live concerts uh, and had graffiti all over the, the ground that said love for one another. He had a foundation called love for one another. And imagine this, he would, he would, as I said, he would have concerts and, we, and I played several of them with him while I was there mm -hmm. um, at Paisley. And he would, allow the public to come in and wouldn't charge a dime. Wow. Imagine a star, you know, the, of his status, you know, that would do something like that. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And so that, but then a, a certain part of that uh, room, he had a basketball goal, you know, these movable goals where you could uh, for a certain area where you could play. Mm -hmm. So that's where we had our game of 21. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the back to the stage where I was before, I was talking about before the original one, at the upper, what could be like upper uh, office areas, you know, um, mm -hmm. he had a theater. And inside of that theater, uh, we would watch different bands play, and the band we mostly watched was Graham Central Station. 
that was his uh, one of his favorite groups uh, that had Larry Graham, mm -hmm. who was the one that uh, started Slap Bass. And right. that and around that time, actually, uh, he became kind of a mentor for Prince and moved to uh, moved to the States, moved to Minneapolis and uh, was working on there was everything was happening at the same time. I mean, he was working. He was having the issue with Warner Brothers with, uh, uh, with the fight that he was having with that record company. And he created uh, the sign, the symbol. Right, uh, right. I was just symbol. going to say that. Yeah, that was the period where he was like the artist formerly known as Prince. Exactly. So that, yes. So he could make his own music, Exactly. which was he brilliant. Did. Yep, yep, yep. He did the album called Emancipation. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he was producing an album for Shaka mm -hmm. called Come to My House. So, um, you know, I, I got to sit sit beside him in Studio A, all right, in front of uh, SSL 4000 console. I'm like, I'm, I'm to his right, like I'm here and he's there. And he, he asked me about a part in the song, the horn lick. Mm -hmm. He said, man, do you think it should go like this? Or do you think it should go over the over the bar, you know, a couple of times? And I was like sitting there like, man, you asking my opinion. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, like I said, with me, I can't speak about everybody else. But I, I will say that there were a lot of technicians that were getting hired and fired. <laughs> hired and fired, hired and fired quickly. But I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't under those, <laughs> under that bullseye. So I didn't right, have to right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting because I've, I know a lot of um, musicians that have played with Prince over the years and have had yeah. so many conversations and some of the mm -hmm. stories are funny and some, yeah. you know, some of the stories are just like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's all like, it's all, yeah. it, it all serves the musical genius that he was you know yeah. it's like you he had his quirks and i, I remember i remember john mm. blackwell telling me the story about mm. how they would go to subway and he would have to order like an onion sandwich and prince insisted that he would eat like a mm. lettuce and onion sandwich because it was the healthiest thing on the menu and things yeah. like that and 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 prince docking his his pay for messing up in a song mm. or playing something out of yeah. turn or that kind of thing but like it was always in service to this entity yeah. that he was like this creative genius. And, um, you know, it's yeah, just since amazing. You, since you mentioned John Black, well, I'm glad you did. John and I are both from the small city, Columbia, South Carolina. Yes, okay? that's right. My brother knows, uh, knows his dad or knew his dad. And, uh, but I didn't know him before we met in 1998 in uh minneapolis on tour where he was playing with pat and the bell oh, okay yeah John was playing with pat and the bell i was playing with shaka khan so they were trying to figure out how they were going to put merge the sets together and it was a tour that was sponsored by cheerios really <laughs> wow <laughs> but i didn't get any boxes of cheerios what's up with that yeah you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve a lifetime supply i think <laughs> You know, I've played for, have you heard of Haribo? You know what that is? Haribo? Oh, yeah, like the gummy bears and... Boom. Yes. Yeah. And so they're located in Germany. So I played, mm -hmm. uh, playing with Till Brunner, who I, I currently play with in, in, in Germany. Uh, we played a private job for them. And they gave us a giant 
stock a big bear. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like an action, like a giant gummy bear. A giant gummy bear, but they oh had different sections of different parts, different kinds of gummy bears. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. I was going to say, yeah. like, you have to you, try not to eat all of that at once, probably. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm, I don't have a sweet tooth like, like I did. <laughs> Me earlier, too. Earlier so, so, so Minneapolis, right? Mm -hmm. It was, it was the, 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 the Cheerios tour with Pally Bill and Chaka Khan. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where John and I met. And we had to share the same drum kit too. Cause like I said, everything was small. And mm -hmm. so Shaka, as I don't know uh, if you know it, but she plays drums. I did know that. I did mm -hmm. know that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So great. Yeah. 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 And so she had an idea. She was like, mm. she was fighting with, the, with everybody because she wanted to do a part in the show where she was going to play. Mm -hmm. We were going to do a, a solo, her and I, you know, mm -hmm. uh, during the show. So uh, my time with Shaka was for two years and um, she was amazing. Uh, um, like a mother-like figure on and off. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for me, and uh, she would always say stuff like, okay, all right, I, you know, after, after everything's over, I'm cooking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, you know, how Pat LaBelle was, was similar. Mm -hmm. So she would have a kitchen, try to have a kitchenette wherever we went. Oh. And, uh, one time I caught her trying to balance a washing machine. Yeah, she got on top of it all on all fours. So I opened the I opened the laundry door. This <laughs> is on top. Of all yeah. Fours. And I, you know, and her nickname was CK. People call her CK. Uh -huh. said, CK, what you doing? She said, Boy, don't be coming up scare me like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to work the, the, yeah the so she was so she, yeah oh my goodness that's so funny that's so funny i'm so, glad she was okay and didn't didn't yeah. harm herself no 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 she was no, she, she she was fine so um yeah i'm um uh it's it's funny when we take the time and and look back at all these different memories and and uh <laughs> it's and amazing what we've been through you know yeah and it and it leads yeah. to you know where you're at right now which is uh, you're you are mm -hmm. performing right and you're teaching yeah and and i'm wondering mm -hmm. my my question was um finger drumming and using electronics and the pads and everything is that more common now well, what is I'll tell you what has happened. I'm I'm arguably the pioneer of finger drumming. Mm -hmm. And uh uh I can but I can remember the time, as I told you about when I was at school, um uh, at the future music school, mm -hmm. I had three teachers. Uh and they gave me a hard time. They said, Man, put that toy away. Spielzeug. That's that's German for toy. Mm. Spielzeug. Put that spielzeug away. You know. Work on your set plan. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, people didn't accept what I was doing then. Mm -hmm. uh, but what uh, I think what got the push and acceptance for finger drumming is the combination of 
of companies like TuneTrack developing ways of recording multi-level samples so that when you play, it sounds, you know, based on your, the, 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 the dynamics, it really sounds like a live drum. Yes. And, and um, then you got the beat making DJing community. Mm -hmm. that have, so those communities have come together. Uh, so when you have products like the one I, I flashed, I flashed earlier, this one, this is, this is the one I primarily play now. It's called, mm -hmm. the, uh, it's the MPC Live 2. Um, so it's like having a, you have a hard disk recorder in it cause you've got the hard disk at the bottom there, mm -hmm. a, a second one that you can put in there. You can mix different tracks that you may have, you know, you got all the editing features and, and everything. So, um, it, it's, it's fun. And, oh, by the way, it's not plugged in. Yes. <laughs> you know? And that's so, a, that's by Akai, right? That's an Akai. Yeah, it's by Akai. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, by Akai. The, the the forefathers of Akai was Lin, the Lin drum. Oh, okay. Back to Prince. There you, you know? go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prince uh, was one of the guys that made the Lin drum famous with that clap. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, the the um. Gosh, controversy album to, I mean, several, I mean, it's the iconic clap, clap sound that D'Angelo uses often, often, so many yeah. others. Yeah. That's so, so great. I, I just, yeah, yeah, I'm so impressed. Um, I want to show a clip actually of you playing yeah. and anyone who's on YouTube can see what you're doing and Anyone who's listening on the okay. podcast platform is going to hear you playing finger drums on the pad and not know that it's electronic because it oh, sounds okay. so incredible. So let's let's listen to that and watch that now and we'll come right back. That was amazing, David. And mm. I'm always so impressed by everything that you Thanks. do. But just watching you play, and like I said, if you close your eyes, you just you don't even know that you're playing finger drums on a pad like that. Mm. Um, mm. And I'm just wondering, are you always, are the drums always in the same spot on the pad? That's a question I had for you. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, that's, that's a good question. Well, I kind of take the in, initially... Uh, I started out on a pad that RX-11 from Yamaha was mm -hmm. two rows. So I had a different setup then. Right. And then uh, I, I, I figured out a way to 
to uh, put my to change my technique to a four by four grid. So it's four by four, four rows of four buttons. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so um, essentially what I have set up most of the times is a five piece kit. So I have three toms. I have two snare pads. I use one for ghost notes mm -hmm. uh, and one is the main pad. But both pads, all my pads uh, respond to that, respond to the, with the dynamics. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when I know that I'm going to play a track that has to have a side stick sound you know, type sound, then I'll have two toms. Mm -hmm. uh, or I'll keep the three toms and then use one less splash. Gotcha. So things like that. I'll have the ride symbol and I have three articulation, articulations of the ride. I have the tip. I have the bell and have, if you want to give the crash sound of mm -hmm. the ride. And then like uh, say a 16 and 18 crash or high, low crash, whatever. And then two splashes, uh, uh, like a stack symbol, a side stick. And then one button for program changes. Cause that's the other thing I can change from kit to kit. <laughs> from Fantastic. Two to two, you know? I can do that. So that's, that's kind of cool. And actually, that's kind of how, uh, when I got hired to play for Frank Ocean at Coachella mm -hmm. in 2012, uh, his, his manager called me because he saw uh, some of my videos and had that same idea. It's like, okay, here are all the samples for the individual songs. And then you can, you can play the apps, the actual song, the sounds from the album. Wow. So that was, that was a, that was the idea. That is so, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. I just, I love that. I mean, yeah. there's just so much that you can, that you can do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah. And I don't, I know we're running out of time here, but yeah, I just, right, right, right. I don't want to, I don't want to leave without talking about like what you're up to right now. Um, what mm -hmm. your plans are into mm -hmm. the future. Well, I'm working on uh, developing a website. Mm -hmm. uh, and more from more on the teaching aspect, you know, I mean, I'm still going to record and play. Uh, but uh, I think education is where it's at uh, to to be able to inform and, and help the next generation. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's where what my focus is going to be. I like that. I really yeah. like that. Well, yeah. um. You know, we'll put a, some links in the description so that people can find you and see some some more clips and everything. But um, but mm -hmm. you are on Instagram. I'll link your Instagram yeah. and um, mm -hmm. and Facebook, and then we'll look forward to the website. And I'm okay. sure there are a bunch of people who are going to hear this and really be interested in learning more and um, maybe awesome. even taking some lessons. So yeah, okay, awesome. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, Thank you so, yeah. so much, David. I really appreciate you being yeah. here today. And um, we'll look forward to all the great things to come. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Take Thank care. Bye. Right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.